throw me my underwear. I need to go get my press badge. <laughs> Pass me my underwear and my riot gear. Let's yes. This is Off the Record, where we go on the record to discuss hot-button issues in the journalism world. We're sitting here with Editor-in-Chief Madeline Amato. Madeline, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Thank you guys so much for having me. On this episode, we're going to talk about women in journalism. Women's issues, what it's like to be a woman in the journalism world, being a mother, and all that jazz. Yeah, pretty much. I know a thing or two about this topic, so... Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're experienced in this in this realm. <laughs> yeah. Considering we're all women. Three women. In yeah. journalism. So. Yeah. I feel there like we go. We could um, put a conversation together. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Don't hold your breath, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I know you had some, some research, Lauren. I did. Uh, so I had a couple of things from pewresearch.org. Six facts about United States mothers. Huh? Um, one of them is women are more likely now to become mothers than they were a decade ago. This is particular in the case among highly educated women, which surprises me. That surprises me too. I thought yeah. more people would be not having kids Yeah, as time progresses. Yeah. I feel like now people are more, specifically women, are more open to not being mothers. Yeah. Like Julia and I, we don't want to be moms. Count sure. me in. And Maddie. There you go. So, Verdict is in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you want to be a mom? I just, I don't feel I have a maternal instinct. Like, I just try and visualize myself as a mother raising children and having that be a part of my life forever. And I, it doesn't feel like it fits. I feel like it'd be forcing it. Like, I just think I shouldn't do it if I really don't want to, because that's not fair to the kid. Yeah. Or me, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you both feel similarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For myself, it was always something that was expected of me, mm-hmm. was to be a mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have a choice in the matter. Right. It was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'd rather spend my time traveling, working, mm-hmm. getting a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know... That's kind of how I want to live my life. And I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. How about you? I like babies. I think kids are cool. But I definitely feel I'm more of like the cool aunt. I love when my friends have kids Mm -hmm. because I like I go all out. I'm like baby clothes, baby blankets, baby this. I love baby things. But when I think of like Julia said, like me being a mom, I'm like, I just I can't. And then, of course, you know, in the topical conversation here, like, my career choice of being a journalist and I want to get into like crime and politics reporting, which is very demanding. Like my end goal is to be, or at least one of my end goals is to be a White House correspondent. So, I mean, that's a, that's a 24 seven job. Do you feel like women in journalism are less likely to be mothers? I think it depends. I, I think it depends on what you report on. So, you know, if you're a food journalist and you write reviews on restaurants and stuff, or if you do more local stuff, I feel like like, you know, you can make it work. I think that's the thing is like, you can make it work. Might take a little bit more juggling. You might have to, you know, invest in childcare, but I think you can make it work. But I think also that might look like having kids later in life, which I know, at least from my experience, the female journalists that I know that do have children have had them a little bit later. I don't want to speak for every woman in journalism, but I Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of women who do go into journalism just kind of don't 
see that in their future because their career is something that doesn't keep them at home. So their their mindset might be more about travel and like a different way of living than mm-hmm. family life and motherhood. I feel like I would just end up being too busy for that. Yeah. Because for myself, my end goal is like, I want to go into documentaries. And then mm-hmm. once I do that, maybe I'll become a teacher and have my mm-hmm. students be like my kids. Right. Like, I don't want to have my own. Mm-hmm. Another statistic on here is that women are becoming mothers later in life. Yeah. And it says in 1994, more than half, 53% of women in their early 40s had become mothers by age 24. Mm-hmm. By 2014, this share had fallen to 39%. I mean, it makes sense. Like, like I said, I've had a couple of friends who have had babies and it is fucking expensive. Like a box of diapers, which babies blow through, is like $40. How many come in a box i don't even know like a regular yeah like a regular box let me look 40 bucks like every week or two every couple days babies shit a lot i mean it's expensive to have a baby and rents are going up you know i think also we're saying women have babies but like there has to be a sperm involved however that sperm is involved whether it's your (laughs) whether it's a husband or you know a donor or anything like that it's expensive and I think you know if you don't have a career and you don't have a stable foundation it makes sense that women are doing it later one pack of pampers is 26 oh fuck off (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not yeah see and that is 40 dollars yeah no thanks mothers are spending more time in the labor force than in the past but also more time on child care Mm mm-hmm Hmm. Women are just spending more time on everything. Well, I know that's why my mom ended up becoming a stay-at-home mom was because she had my older brother who was five years older than me. And to put us both in childcare because she was working full time would be her entire paycheck. So she would be working for the sole purpose of putting us in a daycare. There would be no income beyond that. So it it made no sense. Like it wasn't benefiting the family unit in any way for her to continue working just so that we could sit in a daycare. So once my mom had me, she, you know, was stay at home. And I was very lucky to have a stay at home mom. I know a lot of kids don't or haven't. And um, so my mom was always there to, you know, pick me up, take me to school, PTA, stuff like that, which is, you know, feel very lucky. But at the same time, there wasn't a second income in the home. My mom was also a stay-at-home mom. I was very fortunate for that. I didn't realize how lucky I was, Mm -hmm. but her path and my path are very different. And Mm -hmm. I think my mom came to realize that recently Mm -hmm. where she was like, you're not going to have kids, are you? She just asked me and I was like, no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And then I thought she was going to get really mad at me, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, she wasn't mm-hmm. as mad as mm-hmm. I think she would have been a few years ago. Right. That's really interesting because you kind of approach the subject like, I don't know if I'm going to have kids. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, well, you'll change your mind when you're older because mm-hmm. you're not you're too young to know now. And mm-hmm. it's like, maybe it will. But I'm letting you know that it's very possible I will not yeah. because this is how I feel. I think my mom's come to terms with the fact that she's only going to have, like, fur grandchildren. So, like, my cats. And um, I think she's okay with it. My idea of marriage has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Where is that for me? Mm-hmm. Do I need to have marriage to feel secure? Is that the problem? Do I want to... I don't want to trap someone into marrying me. Um, so... <laughs> Ma'am, I don't think that's a trap. I think you're a... You are a prize. <laughs> Right. But it's like, 
when I think of marriage, do I think of the wedding or do I mm. think of what happens after the wedding? See, I'm the type of girl who's like, I kind of want the wedding. I'm not going to I kind of want the wedding. I want the dress. Yeah. You know, very like cottage core right. with the flower crown and the I can't wait to go. You'll be there. And so will Barb and Gary. I want that. And I want the, like, I think it's a very romantic idea. Also, opinions. Taking their last name. That is so, a great question. Very no. <laughs> and thank you so much for listening. It depends on the name. Right. See, I'm of the belief that I don't want to take the name because the roots of it are ownership. And I know that's not necessarily what it means today, but that's what it is. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. But also, Madeline, period, name did not earn an associate's. Madeline, last name, did not earn a bachelor's. Madeline's last name did not earn, well, I mean, we'll see where we go here, but a master's degree. You know, that last name did not do the work that I've done. That's me. And so that's kind of my thing. Like, I don't want to lose my identity of who I am and what I've accomplished by changing my last name. I can Mm -hmm. see doing a hyphen. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's where I'm at. It's like I don't wanna give away my accomplishments. I've gone back and forth. Like I used to always assume I was gonna get married and then when my parents got divorced when I was eighteen, that kind of it became how I perceived marriage is actually not reality. Cause like they were together for twenty three years or something mm-hmm. and then like it might be the case where I'm like, I don't know. And then one day I'm like, okay, yeah, for this person, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's true. Like, then the last name thing, too. Like, it's weird, the concept. Like, if you don't get this piece of paper signed and put a ring on a certain finger, then they're going to go sleep with someone else because otherwise it's not official. Like, what is that? And my mom was telling me, she was like, well, it's for security. I was like, security for what? Yeah. I want security for, I want to be able to pay my own bills, yeah. my own stuff. Yeah. I don't want to have to rely on someone how do you guys feel that like when you're out in the field or you're reaching out to sources as a woman do you feel like you get respected have you ever been disrespected i feel like i have to be really polite in like my emails and stuff i think people have taken advantage of me because i am nice so it's like, oh, she's nice. I could walk all over her. But me as a woman, I went to Kamala Harris's, one of her events when she was running for president. And mm-hmm. I was the only female photojournalist there. Mm-hmm. Good for you. And I noticed the male photojournalists talking to each other, but they would specifically not talk to me. Yeah. Fuck them. Fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. I find when I am talking to sources, I turn on like my customer service voice. And, you know, it depends on the topic. If I'm really trying to get an answer out of somebody, I will, you know, talk like I normally talk. And sometimes I even actually like lower my voice a little bit because I I have this idea of like a lower voice is more authoritative. But I definitely find sometimes that I'll giggle on the phone or some things that I don't normally do when I'm talking to people that I know. It's just this society societally ingrained thing that like to get what you want as a woman you have to be a people pleaser and you know giggle and laugh at their jokes and so yeah I I, at least that's been my experience reporting and then also being a leader in the newsroom it's been hard because I haven't experienced it so much here at Long Beach State because we all are a little bit more of a similar age group but I know when I was at Fullerton College and I was editor-in-chief there I was 
the youngest female editor-in-chief the paper had ever had. I was only 19. And a lot of the staff, because in community college, you get a, a bigger age range. People are returning, you know, stuff like that. So I had staff, male staff members who were 10, 20 years older than I was. And there was a very clear lack of respect towards me because I was a younger female. You know, I don't think I've experienced it as much in this newsroom either. Mm -hmm. I think something else that people don't know about this newsroom is that it's mainly females. I was just going to (laughs) say, all of our desk editors are women. Mm -hmm. And I think that's rare. And our content advisor is Was that by design? (laughs) No comment. (laughs) No comment. This, uh, here, I uh, had a staff writer who gave pushback for edits because, quote, he did not like women editing his work. And I I, forgot about that one. Yeah, right? You remember that? You were in on that. But, you know, I was just kind of like, well, tough shit. I'm the editor. When you're editor, you go ahead and make those calls. But when you would go out and do interviews in person, did you feel like you had to dress up? Absolutely. Uh, like a million percent, yes. Yeah. If I was going out and reporting today, I would have straightened my hair. I would have put on probably a ton more makeup to look presentable. You know, yes. it, was, it was crazy over the summer when I was covering the George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, Black Lives Matter movement. I found myself putting on eyebrow gel and mascara to go cover protests. And I remember getting, I think it was mascara in my eye because I was sweating so much because we're, you know, marching and running from the police. And I was like, why am I wearing makeup right now? Going out with male reporters and their t-shirts and cargo shorts and flip-flops and jeans. And, you know, I'm in a blouse with my hair done. And, you know, I got to look presentable. I can't just wear my normal jeans. I have to wear my nice jeans if, you know, if I'm going to wear jeans or I'm going to wear slacks. And yeah, I do. I do think that for male reporters, Mm -hmm. they can wear a t-shirt and pants and be fine. And, uh, you know, a baseball cap but for a female journalist you definitely need to have makeup on be presentable yeah they can roll up in jeans and a t-shirt as long as they have a reporter's notebook and a press badge they're gonna get the interview and Mm -hmm. if we're standing aside looking like just normal Mm -hmm. that that's not enough i know i remember i will never forget this i was at fullerton college and we did a tour of the la times and the tour guide was asking all of us it was the newspaper class and um, he was asking us you know what type of journalism are you guys interested in and a couple of the girls were interested in sports broad Podcast. And this man looks at them and says, I don't think any of you are going to make it because none of you are pretty enough. Fuck that guy. And that has always stuck with me. As much of an asshole as that guy is, and he is, it speaks to the industry yeah. because like he should not have said that, but... Mm-hmm. If that's how the industry is, that's how it is. I was talking to Elizabeth Sanchez, who's a journalism professor here, who's a broadcast reporter. And she said that early in her career, when she was trying to get jobs as anchors, she was turned down because she was they were looking for a blonde anchor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? This is the world we live in, unfortunately. Even like my few, my few speaking engagements on television, I've been so like, oh my God, I can't believe I looked like that. And I was on national television or local television. Like, you know, and it's crazy. Like, I can't imagine doing that for a living. I get like that with a Zoom call with one other person on the other end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm so self-conscious about my teeth and Mm -hmm. I'm like... I can't smile. I can't talk because if I open my mouth, I look like a damn hillbilly. Um, (laughs) But it's like there's a really fine line between being presentable and professional and like sexism. 
<laughs> that line is very thin. It's floss. It is. <laughs> it is transparent. It is. Dental floss. <laughs> Dating. Ooh, that is. Ooh. Dating is hard period. But what I've run into in not only dating app world, but also like in some of my more long-term relationships is that I'm extremely dedicated to my career. Like I do not care what I am doing. If there is breaking news, I am dropping everything and I'm reporting on that fucking story. Like I don't, I have made so many illegal U-turns. I have run into oncoming traffic. I have run towards, you know, police firing rubber bullets. I mean, like, I don't care. Like, I'm getting the story. That is who I am. That also goes for the fact that with a significant other. Like, I don't care if we're hanging out watching a movie, something's going on. I need to go take Roll care over. of it. I need to get my press badge. Throw me my underwear. I need to go get my press badge. <laughs> Pass my underwear and my riot gear. I need my underwear, my helmet, and my tear gas goggles. And I am good to go. <laughs> so that has come up a lot, though, in my relationships is that they get really pissed off that I'm not paying attention to them. I'm working. Because suddenly you have a different priority. Exactly. And, you know, that hasn't really happened when I'm in the scope of, like, working retail. Like, I'm scheduled to work at Vans from noon to nine. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Like, maybe we can hang out or, you know, after or I'll see you tomorrow. And I don't know if it's because it's a little bit more unpredictable or it's a little bit more of a constant thing. But I've noticed in my personal relationships or even just, like, getting to know somebody if I'm not – texting them back immediately because I'm in a meeting or I'm interviewing somebody or, you know, whatever, they get upset and they get offended. And I actually just had a guy message me on Bumble and I said like, oh, hi, like smiley face. And he was like, oh God, a liberal journalist, every cisgender white man's worst fear, but I'm not scared of you. And it's like, well, you should be. I feel like they don't understand the industry. Yeah. And I think it does have to do with the unpredictability because we could be hanging out with them two seconds later, we're out the door, and they don't know how to deal with that. I had to have a sit-down conversation with Simon about this, where Mm -hmm. it was like, there's going to be points where I'm just going to not be paying attention to you. Mm -hmm. There's going to be points probably down the line where I'm going to be gone for months. (laughs) That's just going to be my career. That's going to be my life. Mm -hmm. And I need someone to support me. It's not that I don't love you any less or that I don't want to be with you. It's just, this is what I have to do. This Mm -hmm. is what I was made in this world to fucking do. So I'm going to do it. It's my calling. Deal with it. It was my calling. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I can't give my hundred percent all the time. And that's not personal. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but this is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, some guys, like, fetishize that I'm, like, busy and, like, I'm, quote, I'm doing air quotes here, a boss bitch. Okay. And, like, they're, like, that's fucking hot. I, I had one guy tell me that, like, he wanted to take me into my office when I told him I had an office. And I was, like... Ew, no. that's gross. Um, there's no. other people here. But I feel like there's some, like, fetishization of powerful women, which, again, goes into the objectification of women in power. I've experienced this, too. I just, I feel like they think that you're so busy and it's, like, part of their fantasy or whatever, yeah. that they're so busy that they'll 
oh, no, 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 you're my priority still. Despite right. the fact that I'm so busy. And it's like, no, 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 I spelled out for you day one. I'm busy. No, 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 no. You ain't paying my fucking bills, bitch. So... They think they're being, like, so progressive because they're... They love that you're a working woman, you know, career woman, whatever. Like, you're busy. They like it. But then I... They don't realize that they're being sexist because it's such a big deal that that you're working instead of not thinking twice because that's normal. Talking about, you know, being in relationships and talking about, you know, in particular being a woman and having these expectations of being in a relationship. And, you know, this career field is definitely one that it is difficult, I would say more so than a lot of other careers, to have a very healthy relationship Mm -hmm. because... You know, it's a it's fluid. Some days is absolutely exhausting in communication. You've been talking to people all day long. You don't want to talk. That's why I feel like I can maybe ideally I'm like, well, then somebody in journalism right. will get it. Yeah, and it just feels like it's so hard to find. Mm-hmm. But it's like that's where my mind goes because if anyone's gonna understand it, it's gonna be a fellow journalist. If you're an attractive young male journalist, hit us up. Please. Yeah, I, I, I think journalists just marry other journalists because yeah. they have to it. Get does it. happen. Yeah. It does happen. I mean, the only person I know who's married another journalist is Barb. <laughs> Robin, the advisor for Dig. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. She, she, she Elizabeth Sanchez, her husband's a photojournalist. Uh, oh. Mike Golding, maybe I remember No, that. that's right. Mike Golding mm-hmm. is married to a journalist. She writes mm-hmm. and he's a photojournalist. That mm-hmm. happens a lot. Also, Valerie from The Post. Yeah. She came, she was I think she program. met her husband at The Post. She's a journalist and he, he's also a journalist. He's a photographer, I think. He does like visuals. He does like video and stuff. It, oh, it's very, very cool. it's, it happens a lot. And I'm like, where's my guy? Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense because especially like newsroom romances, like we're in the same area all the time. I've only heard like drama from that. This is also true. Yeah. But double-edged sword. Yeah. It is definitely don't shit where you eat because if it goes shit. There's shit and it You wanna eat. It gets stinky. (laughs) It gets stinky sometimes. And if it works, hey, power to you. But Yeah, you gotta really be sure. Yeah. But it see it when it does work, damn, that's cool. I think that's a good note to end on. I agree. This is Julia. Maddie and Lauren and we are signing off. Tune in next soon. week. We'll figure that Something. one out. Something. This has been off the record. Thank you for listening.